I think this is the beginning of a beautiful friendship. Take one. Do you want anything from the shop? Hello and welcome to the latest Spool podcast with your illustrious hosts, me, Nigel Wheatley, and him, Pork McGo. Hey, Pork. Hello. We're recording here in your new home studio, in your new home in Rialto. Thanks very much for having us. Uh, You're welcome. Setting it up in time. So this month, the Spool podcast is going to be dissecting Todd Phillips's Joker. Uh, we're going to look at the new Breaking Bad film that just hit Netflix just over this past weekend, El Camino. We've got the Aquafina starring film about a lie, which brings a Chinese family back together, The Farewell. A uh, little chat then on some of the other things we've seen over the, over the last couple of weeks. kind of sounds like a brand of water. Uh, yeah, it uh, is a brand of water. Yeah. Oh. Aquafina. Oh, yeah. Okay, She's sorry. very funny, though. You remember yeah. her from Crazy Rich Asians? Yeah, and she did good. Saturday Night Live, one of the best ones of last year. And I think she's in The Bad Neighbours too. She's one of the uh, sorority sisters. Very good. So anyway, the film that has kind of held on to a lot of the column inches and online megabytes or whatever we call the internet um, over the last couple of weeks has been Joker. So we got to see this in the Irish Film Institute and they're newly refurbed. Yeah, yeah, screen one, 70 millimeter presentation. Um, Port, tell us a little bit about the film and then if you do you want to play a clip as well or do you want to tell us a bit about it? Uh, Yeah, I'll talk a bit about it and then we'll have a clip. Um, So... Yeah, Joker. Uh, I put the Joker down and then I searched it in IMDb and it didn't come up. So it's just Joker. Uh, Joaquin Phoenix stars as Arthur Fleck, who eventually kind of morphs into the uh, Bruce Wayne, Batman, nemesis, arch-villain. And it's he kind of works for... A, it's kind of a weird company. There seem to be like higher rent-a-clown. So he's yeah. kind of uh, doing a thing at the start where he's twirling a sign. You know, it's not for a golf sale. It's for like a closing-down factory or something. And... Some kids kind of... In New York, early 80s. Yeah, yeah. There's a garbage strike. It looks grubby, grubby. It looks really, really grubby. And Todd Phillips, I was kind of looking up, is born in Brooklyn and is kind of a New Yorker. So I'd say he kind of instantly knew... Yeah. Did you... Where he was going to set this and kind of... Yeah. And a lot of people have said the two hallmarks are like Taxi Driver and Mean Streets. And And King King of Comedy, Comedy, yeah. You've seen King of Comedy? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, And did you see The Juice, the James Franco kind of 80s early 80s kind of porn thing the HBO series no. similar era similar kind of gritty colour like yeah I visually was reminded of that I yeah know. so he's kind of this rent a clown and he as he's constantly downtrodden he's getting beaten up by kids picked on work isn't going that well for him um, and then we realise that he has spent time in a mental health institution and he's having these regular kind of across the table chats they wouldn't you wouldn't even call them counseling sessions they're just like more like a parole officer yeah. feeling to a checking in you're not mm. on the edge to get right his medication now. and stuff and then we learn at some point that, that is closing down so all these factors kind of slowly lead to the kind of slow erosion and downgrading of his mental health where he just turns to to violence and this kind of built up rage that he has where and the city is kind of in meltdown as well like isn't it that we know about this garbage strike there's these super rats running around the place and mm. just a real angsty economic kind of buzz real and his mother and yeah so he's looking after his uh, mother who's francis conroy people will know her from oh i'm not in my head she's six feet under six feet under yeah, yeah. And that was kind of her big stuff. But you'll have seen her in lots of kind of small kind of films as well. So she plays his mom and he's kind of looking after her. And yeah, it's just the look of it is fantastic. Like, I think everyone can kind of agree on that. It's really horrible. You get a real visceral sense of the stink and the smell and the kind of rot and decay. And then one of his other neighbours, it's not so much of a twist because you can kind of see it coming. He has these kind of... uh, 
delusions or like you know fantasies where he's kind of on a show so uh, Robert De Niro is kind of one of the other main characters he plays Murray Franklin who's a real I think kind of um it's kind of this American talk show host and Joaquin Phoenix uh, Arthur Fleck is trying to be a stand-up comedian and he's terrible at it and he his kind of goal is to be on the Murray Franklin show which is like the I can't remember the Tonight Show, yeah, yeah, or even kind of further back where everybody was uh, Carson Johnny Carson. You had to be on that show, you know, because that's where you made it. So he's playing this character and he fantasizes about becoming on it. And then he also a neighbor, um, Zizi Beats. Uh, people know her from Atlanta and different films as well. She is kind of a, a single mom in the apartment and there's a relationship that develops between them and then you're kind of wondering, being like, is this really going on or is he just imagining the whole thing? And that kind of has its own natural conclusion, which is left a bit in the air. I kind of realised that a couple of days after. How did that actually end? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I really liked it. Um, it's an incredibly unsettling film. Walking Phoenix is very good. He does this horrible throat thing where he's almost choking or like kind of you can feel his throat he, closing over yeah and he carries a card that he shows to people where he can tell them if i'm laughing at you i have a medical condition yeah you know that explains it but yeah. it's so it's really unsettling and uh it's haunting yeah it's it's a really slow build film like it, there are incredibly shocking moments of violence but not from the get-go like I'd say it only all kind of climaxes in the last 30 minutes of the film where it all really starts to unravel. And, and he's the whole. It's a funny thing, like we're verging into minor, minor spoilers here, I suppose. But um, he's partly responsible for this. And yet actually society's decay is as responsible as as him and his actions and, the you know, the, mm-hmm. the murders on a subway which, you know, and people know, oh, it's a clown or something, but they just use him as a, as a kind of a, an emblem and a face to, to build this, these yeah. riots and unrest around. It's kind of that old, you know, it's not breaking incredibly new ground where we have the like breakdown of society, which is also like, we're not looking after our most vulnerable people. Nothing's getting funded. So it's almost natural that these kind of people would crop up. But then, and I think that's, there has been massive kind of, pro and anti this film because i think it sets itself in such a real environment where it's so identifiable but in the back of your head or front and center you have to realize this is a comic book character he's not like a normal you know he's not like me or you kind of thing and by informing that with a very real and identifiable situation it kind of really blurs the line between what all kind of good comic book films or comic book stories do. It is Gotham. Yeah. We do meet the Wayne family. Yeah. Uh, There's nods to the superhero universe, but it's done in a more, Mm -hmm. uh, there's no superpower. There's never superpowers in in Batman really, but um, that's it. I didn't think they're, as you say, we're in Gotham city. It's not New York. Yeah. Yeah. So, but it's just presented in a way like the kind of grainy film, version of new york that we're so used to seeing from from other people's work um yeah just loved joaquin phoenix altogether like his physical performance the laugh is absolutely haunting there's a good mm. there's good memes then on the internet where it's joaquin phoenix replaced with seth rogan's laugh and all this kind yeah of thing. and peter griffin from family guy uh yeah and i suppose the cyclical thing then of having robert de niro who 
was like I I found enough memories of the King of Comedy, but I haven't gone back to it since I saw it maybe fifteen fifteen mm. years ago or something. Um, have you seen it recently? No, I only saw it recently, but again, it could have been like yeah, maybe ten years ago. Like that yeah. was the first time I'd ever seen it. Yeah, so that's it. And there's a few nods to the comic books that people might either enjoy, like the way the very closing kind of shots and emblems with with Bruce Wayne's parents is a little nod to that which is is interesting and then one thing that I did find interesting was partway through the film they were half brothers or we were led to believe that was a possibility but then um yeah that, that sort of disintegrates of a little bit but yeah definitely like I I felt really grubby and I needed a shower after seeing it. Yeah, like we, we left, we said we were in the IFI and you're kind of going through the city. And the IFI is an unusual, like in Temple Bar in Dublin, it's a particularly grubby, worryingly like... Yeah, and this was like a Monday night, but like just suddenly there was lots of cop sirens going off and ambulances and you were just like, Jesus. And yeah. it's not that long, like I can't remember the last time in a film had that effect where you're coming out of it being like... A yeah. bit on edge and yeah definitely heightened. and it's also you're a bit like we saw it kind of late um but i what, can do you give it out of five i give it a solid four solid four yeah, yeah. i'm on the four four as well maybe yeah no definitely definitely yeah. but we really want to see it at some you point i don't want to see it again but like not straight away uh, maybe at home like with the with the remote control yeah. in your hand but i can see the kind of mixed reviews of it because or why people don't like that it's been so popular like we went to a pretty full screening and there was two kind of younger guys beside me in their like early 20s and they thought large parts of it were quite funny and i was kind of sympathizing and being like that's not funny that's you just don't know how to cope yeah. with what you're seeing on the screen and it certainly isn't funny but, but that's kind of just the danger of you make something and you can't kind of control how it's going to be perceived by yeah you can have the best intentions in the world but like you would. I don't think you'd be having Joaquin Phoenix as a like a poster boy, being like, "Oh yeah, he's great." Like you know, I think as really... a hero. No, yeah. there's he, you've you some sentimentality toward him at the beginning. Yeah. But ultimately, no, you don't you don't view him with any no. real empathy by the end. Yeah. Um. So also out. Uh. If that's not your bag, then and you want to stay at home, uh, El Camino, a Breaking Bad, uh, movie has hit Netflix. Pork, you're not actually a watcher of the show. No, or... I watched the first season and some of the second. And yeah, then I gave up. Then you wrapped up. So and then so this finished up about five years ago, and the showrunner, as it's called, is now uh, director here, Vince Gilligan, who has also done Better Call Saul, which is fantastic. I'm a big fan of both these uh, TV show, um. I skipped see some of the middle bits of Breaking Bad, interestingly, um, at the at the yeah. time. So anyway, but he's revisiting Breaking Bad franchise. Um, it the that TV show had a fantastic finale that everyone kind of agreed was was great. <laughs> Spoiler for the Breaking Bad finale, but Walter White kind of uh, sets up. You know, there's a giant shootout. Let's say he's dead. Um, Aaron Paul's character Jesse Pinkman is liberated. He's been uh, locked up for about a year, forced to cook, um, crystal meth, and caged up and everything. So he then is freed he's driving away in his el camino car oh, and that's okay. where the film just drops in and we just look at then the next basically 48 hours and his quest to then survive disappear slash escape or whatever um in the tv show there was little nods to him wanting to get to alaska and stuff so um it did make me think a bit of into the wild as a concept because <laughs> It then just tells the story through all these little encounters and chapter points where he meets, oh, there's that old face and oh, there's that old friend. And, um, but yeah, like I, this is the nicest possible thing. The film is pretty much pointless, but like in a lovely way. Is it like 90 minutes, two hours? It's, a, it's two hours, but it's like a two hour post credits scene. 
in a Marvel film, wow. but like loved it getting to see, yeah. you know, looking back and meeting the characters again, seeing what they're doing and reading between but, the lines here, Brian Cranston doesn't pop up in it. Um, well, no, there's flashbacks with prominent characters. Oh, okay. Right. So, so there's a few people who were obviously were dead at the end of the TV show. Mm. Um, but yeah, so that's it's a bit what, of a cheat. Uh, yeah, but anyway, ultimately this doesn't like better called Saul is actually a fantastic TV series that tells this story mm. better and is a more uh, insight into an expanded universe that jumps timelines all the time. This isn't related to that at all. So they only tell this story within a kind of a 48 hour window. So anyway, if you're a fan of the TV show, um, it's definitely worth your time. It's brilliant to go back and visit it. But Could I watch no it as a total? Yeah, I'd be interested to see what people think of that. I tried to look and see if anyone had written that kind of approach up. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think so. Because Aaron Paul's Jesse Pinkman character is is really really good um and okay. he, he like he's been locked up for a year so he seen him deal with with everything um in a certain way you know there's little nods to to um joaquin phoenix joker almost haven't seen them within a couple of days of each other yeah. so anyway that's it that's on netflix now Check Um another uh, film that i saw a couple of weeks ago that you'll still find around the cinema uh one, a couple of places across the country i think but probably shown up on on demand platforms really really soon is the farewell so this is lulu wang's story taken from kind of an article or a podcast episode of this american life where um it's her story of traveling to china as an american chinese person to visit her her nine i think they call her grandmother but concocting a family wedding as the event to go to visit her but because actually she's dying of cancer and has about two three months but in china the con the culture is not to tell old people when they're dying oh, okay. if you can avoid so if you just tell them lies so you're spoofing medical records doctors are lying doctors are you know telling families what's going on with elderly elderly people but the sensitive compassionate thing to do is not to tell people so anyway um aquafina nice plays like the daughter for your death yeah while everyone else is doing it around you going oh you're looking great oh isn't this wedding lovely and then in reality it's not um, like the chinese to hide stuff though but yeah. it's not in them no. no there's a great uh episode of last week tonight john oliver thing about the one child policy um if anyone wants to look that up on youtube good reminder of that one of the main things being that eventually cousins um would cease to exist but anyway they've replaced it with a two-child policy now and you have to have two children um shouldn't have one shouldn't have none shouldn't have three gotta be two that's what they're pushing but no the farewell is a sensitive story it's a slow story it's it just hits you really really good if you've had any relationship with older people be it parents grandparents you'll take something from this and just dealing a bit with immortality this is out there in the real world so i'm just gonna ruin uh the thing but if you want uh, to there's a thing at the very uh, end no, I'm gonna go see it. yeah but there's a thing I... if you just google that actually it's a kind of a happy ending to the whole thing right? okay so she lives forever <laughs> well i think this is not, yeah so that's it anyway that's called the farewell um anything else catch your eye in the last couple of weeks uh yeah so kind of one that i think is still showing maybe you might get to see it in 70 mil in between the joker on uh, or in imax is ad astra uh, we both kind of saw this not together um directed by james gray who directed... yeah it's been five weeks since we did a podcast hence why we want yeah. to talk about ad astra so because it'll probably be in that oscar mix-up uh, end of year film list so um james gray directed at lost city of z and he also directed we own the night which stars joaquin phoenix from 2007 so there's a lot of kind of energy surges in the earth like we see brad pitt as an astronaut but he seems to be working on this crazy high I couldn't remember if it's that thing he's working on is connected to the Earth or if it's technically a spaceshipy thing at the start. I think it's connected to the Earth. It's like a massive satellite thing. I thought it was well. 
I thought it was a satellite and it wasn't connected to the Earth. But by the time he comes to the bottom, it looks like... It's yeah, but I think it hovers around the, oh, okay. the atmosphere. So an energy surge comes, causes this to be damaged. He's thrown from it. And he kind of thinks he's going to get hauled up for questioning by the different uh, astronauts. But when they take him into a room, they actually tell him that his dad, uh, played by Tommy Lee Jones who Brad Pitt remembers went on a mission to kind of search for aliens and other life, um, is actually not dead and still alive. He's at the edge of the universe near Neptune, but they think that he might be causing the energy surges through some dark matter, uh, hocus pocus. So Brad Pitt then has to go on a mission to, not to find him, but to kind of contact him, like send him a message to be like, hi dad, can you stop doing what you're doing? Do you want to come home? Hey. Um, okay. And he's so yeah. a hero. That's a, the confusing thing. But then yeah, he's the kind film of reveals a hero who that actually... Potentially, yeah. Um, so yeah, it's kind of... A lot of people have kind of made the obvious comparisons to uh, Apocalypse Now and kind of this heart of darkness in space in 2001. Um, it sounds fantastic, looks really good and is quite a somber, small film. Like it's getting great reviews, but I don't think it's done that well at the box office, you know. A couple of people by the trailer might have been tricked into thinking that it's great action and suspenseful stuff breaking up, but there's lots of it that's quite contemplative. Yeah, ponderous and um, really Ah, worth seeing on the screen. He's kind of a lot of Brad Pitt by himself, just looking mopey. So like the beginning of Gravity. I thought at different times it wouldn't. They do an interesting thing where it's not too much like a monologue whereby you have to do these uh, uh, psych evaluations by talking into a machine to be like yeah I'm fine and my heart rate's fine and a thing with Brad Pitt is that his heart rate has never gone above like 60 even when he's in really stressful situations and he can't kind of uh, Liv Tyler is in it in a very like uh, Terrence Malick set up at the start where there's lots of like whispering and looking away and stuff and let's not forget that Brad Pitt was in Terrence Malick's Tree of Life great film from a few years ago um, so he kind of could have been channeling some of his inner Malik. Um, so yeah, really worth seeing. Um, Ruth Nagy kind of pops up for it for a couple of minutes, and others. Donald Sutherland is in it as well. Actually, for once, not playing a typical Donald Sutherland character. Yeah, um, yeah. So definitely worth kind of seeing. We talked a lot about Brad Pitt the last time, and yeah, I don't know. I I remember being a bit freaked out by the second half of the film and fell asleep in a bit of it, and but it, that just made the whole thing even more creepy and everything so um that's it that's ad astra um another on-demand one that uh if anyone wants to kind of dig out i kind of mixed feelings about watching this it felt again a bit pointless but nice to have much like much like the um el camino thing of something where they're just like oh we could just use that property that's a known thing we'll expand on it anyway between two ferns the movie uh, directed by scott aukerman so this is takes the web videos that Zach Galifianakis kind of not that he became famous for but they really expanded on his thing starting maybe 10 12 years ago after mm-hmm. seeing this guy in the hangover funnier you realize he does uh does these yeah were they on funnier funnier die before youtube as in funnier die was so, its own yeah. platform that then started using youtube and i more, think but... funnier die actually was created by Will Ferrell. Yeah. 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 So um anyway, it uh it's very easy watch and very light and stuff and kind of reminds me of very, like a bit of a funny. Ricky Gervais vehicle where like he's on the road with the team. Like the yeah. concoct a ridiculous thing where he has to travel across the country and get like ten interviews. Like it's absolute nonsense. But when I was kind of watching it, I was like, Oh, the outtakes of this would be very funny and then they show all the outtakes during the credits yeah. and you're like, Oh, they were really funny. And the and the actual interviews themselves are probably the funniest bit. Probably could have done without the constructed thing. But still well worth kinda 
yeah. scene, I think. Um, I then had a bin. Do you have anything else you want to go in depth on anything that people should see? Not in depth. Like extra, Saw lots of stuff, though, yeah. Extraordinary, very enjoyable. It's kind of really just a Maeve Higgins uh, vehicle. Uh, Will Arnett's in it kind of doesn't really make any sense for him to be in it, but it's probably why they got funding. Um, but really, really enjoyable. I thought it was very funny. So maybe it'll be an RTE in time for Halloween. I doubt it, but it should be. Halloween 2020, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, um, I also got to see, I watched them kind of back to back at home, uh, two films in this year, uh, Yesterday and Blinded by the Light. Um, you haven't seen Yesterday yet, no? No. So I can't talk about the, the weird thing at the end. Oh, well, you can. Both are, all right. Well, no, I won't. Um, both are dealing with, um, dealing with. It seems like a genre where it's just like, oh, this music is, it's like a weird bio, biopic of people's music yeah ed sheeran is the dominant person in yesterday and it's about the beatles music so it helps you remember how good the beatles were so that's that's really really good blinded by the light is pretty forgettable that's got a bit of springsteen in it and trying to be a bit more like sing street i think the beatles kind of behind yesterday because paul mccartney is very good at constantly having the beatles relevant like they were amazing and we all love them but like you know does your 10 year old 10 year old niece or nephew know who the beatles were or like, how are they going to discover them? Like, I think that's why Paul McCartney did all that stuff with Rihanna and... To just be able to stay to relevant. To be like, yeah, you know, yeah, which know. kind of works in fair play to him. Yeah. Um, also got to watch Late Night, which is the Mindy Calling Emma Thompson. Oh, I saw that. Thing. It's grand. It's fine. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely grand. Did we talk about Hustlers at the last podcast? I think you had seen yeah. it, so we did, yeah. Yeah. Oh, so that, that was good fun. Um, and then The Souvenir is one of the... Is a film that's probably going to end up in a lot of end of year lists, but... um. I don't know. It's is this the relationship film? Yeah, nineteen eighties, you British kind of setting, and it just didn't impact me. I think I would have liked to have seen it kind of by myself on a weekend afternoon and been able to give it the full focus. But everybody seems to have loved it. It's quite a darling of the critics, apart from Entertainment which gave it like a one and a half star review, which I thought was hilarious. Exactly. So um, I also so that- saw Marianne and Leonard. Words of love. That's very yeah. enjoyable. Yeah, uh, it's kind of nice thought in Stella. So anyway, look, we're we're watching lots of stuff. We're a bit off kilter with stuff that's in the cinema. And um, we did get to see Dune in seventy mil. So that is a film that's being remade in two parts, I think, uh, by Denis Villeneuve next next year. But this, of course, is the David Lynch un unpalatable, unbreakable sort of un. How would you in an inter <laughs> challenging uh, yeah it was great I can't even come up with the words no it was great it. to see it in the cinema because it's definitely I think the kind of film you could not watch it at home you would you just would switch it off you totally switch it off you'd be yeah. like and much as I did when me and a friend Damien tried to watch it we just talked over it and we was like we just stopped watching this it was like yeah yeah. so it was good where you're kind of strapped in watching it uh, again very enjoyable parts but absolutely disgusting elements in it we are just like oh yeah no one yeah. kind of does this so it'll be interesting to see what the what the remake does with it and whether it goes the way of, of Blade Runner and kind of mm-hmm. breaks through even though I don't know apparently Blade Runner even though everyone loved it didn't actually make as much money as it was meant to Um, so anything coming up for Halloween that... yes the Bram Stoker Festival is coming up and as part of that we have Meeting House Horrors which are films that the public voted for and they're going to be shown now in Meeting House Square so we've got The Craft on the 25th of October um, the Lost Boys rounding it off on the 27th but what I'm most excited about is on the 26th an American an American werewolf in London which is a great film and uh, I would encourage you all to go and see I've never seen anything at that so I, I might actually get a ticket for that the Meeting House Horrors have you seen or like Meeting House Square they usually they did them the odd time and then it kind of yeah I didn't know died off Win- yeah winter outdoor kind of 
you'd want good coverage. Wrap up. Alrighty, so we'll wrap up then with uh, that. So it's been like there's lots in the cinema slash on on demand places if you're looking for something to watch uh, this time of year. Um, but we figured with the death of Robert Forster there just uh, yesterday, that'd be nice to kind of look back on some of his stuff. So you had a, a rummage through the archives. Yeah, and kind of what people will I think most notice him from maybe is Jackie Brown, uh, Quentin Tarantino's film uh, from 1997. I think it might still be on Netflix in the recent kind of glut of Tarantino films there but if not you'll be able to find it somewhere so kind of this is a semi-spoiler but not really uh we've Jackie Brown and Robert Forster uh just having a nice conversation with each other so we'll see you next month I'll send you a postcard will you I sure will partner you're running a business Max Terry Bailban. Uh, what is it your son's charged with? Yes, that's a very serious offense. Is your son still in school? Does his father still live in the house? I think this is the beginning of a beautiful friendship. Take one.